Hello, and welcome to the RCC Weekly Sermon Podcast. We are currently in week 11 of our Apostles' Creed series. This week, Pastor Kenny will be teaching from John 14 about the work of the Spirit in our everyday lives and what it means to believe in the Holy Spirit. So as we've been studying this, we have all of our, our I think this is our 11th uh, week. All, all 10 of the previous ones are online. If you've missed those, you can catch up. We always point out a few things in there. This was written around like 150 A.D. Our language has changed a bit. Some things that when we read it, we go like, whoa, what is that saying? Some of the things that kind of have stood out generally was he descended into hell. What that means is from the Apostles' Creed, what they were trying to say is that he really died. He really went to the place of the dead. There was some heresy going around where people were saying, no, maybe Jesus didn't really die. It was like there was all kinds of different theories. But it's important that we know as Christians an essential belief that he died because his purpose in death was to die for our sins. Namely, he died on the cross. Our sins keep us from having a relationship with God. Jesus wasn't cool with that. So the father sent his son and he removed our sins. He removed the shame and the guilt of our sins. And what does that allow us to do? It allows us to have a relationship with God. So it's a very important doctrine and they wanted us to understand it's not, it's not going beyond to some of the arguments that we kind of think about with that today. And when we say the Holy Catholic Church, it's not talking about the Roman Catholic Church. When they made this creed, the Roman Catholic Church didn't even exist. So how could they have been trying to highlight that? But holy means universal. It means all of the church, all of the believers. We're, we are a, a local church, but we're a part of a bigger church. And we believe that God is at work in the bigger church. And that's, that's all those things kind of mean. And today we're going to look at, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Some of you guys are like, finally, you know, to talk about the Spirit, right? And some of you guys are a little worried. I don't know what you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit. Churches kind of have a lot of differences about this. Some people kind of look at the Holy Spirit as like the weird eccentric uncle that shows up at the party and you never know if he's going to make it really fun or really awkward. Some people look at the Holy Spirit kind of like that business partner that's the silent partner, right? And they believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures, right? There's churches like that. Well, we believe in the Holy Spirit can mean a lot of different things. And I just will bring you at ease. This isn't going to be a spiritual gifts uh, conversation this morning. That's a good conversation. But this is going to be just a very... Uh, 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 foundational understanding of, of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to turn to John chapter 14, and we're going to learn from Jesus about this, this person who is God and is the third person of the Trinity and who Jesus talks about fondly. And he gives us a really cool picture of it in John chapter 14. So I'm going to read um, John 14, 15 through 29, a little bit of a lengthy a passage, and then we're going to dig into a lot of the, the, the beauty of, of what Jesus is saying. So John chapter 14, verse 15 through 29, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this. He says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, capital H, helper. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's one of his names, helper. To be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. 
And when it says that the, the world can't receive, it doesn't mean that they won't have the opportunity to receive, but the kind of language is here, like if I said this about somebody, I said, they, they can't eat spicy foods. And you would say, well, they could eat spicy foods. Like if you handed them a ghost pepper, they could put it in their mouth and chew probably and, and swallow it. They could eat it, but, they, but you know, like they can't handle spicy foods. And that's what he's saying about the Holy Spirit. They can't see him. Not everybody's going to receive the Holy Spirit for that same reason not everyone can handle right, spicy foods. Not because there's not the opportunity, but for whatever reason, they just aren't. And then he says, well, I'm going to leave I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. And whoever, whoever has my commandments and keeps them... He it is who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, that's just one of those names you have to make sure that everyone knows, like, right? Not that one, right? The other one. It says, it said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Then he says something really awesome. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I, and now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. It's a lengthy story. It's a great narrative. There's a lot of beauty and color to what Jesus is kind of saying to them. And when you look at a passage in the scriptures, the way that we try to understand what it means and so that we can apply it, the way that we kind of work at um, a Bible study method for, for, for understanding the scriptures is we want to understand first the context and we want to understand the grammar that's being used. And that helps us understand what's being said, right? The context are the circumstances of what's happening. And the grammar is the specific words that are used and how they connect with other words around it. Because sometimes he'll say something and it connects with a bigger thought. And so we want to look at all of those things to try to understand the passage. So I want to kind of try to do that with you this morning. And we'll start with the context. So the context of this passage in John chapter 14 is this. It's Jesus as rabbi and friend speaking to his closest disciples, his 12, and he's speaking to them 
kind of privately and he's encouraging them. And it is at the end of his, not only the end of his three-year ministry, he had a three-year ministry on the earth, and these disciples walked with him, and they, they, they saw all the things that he was doing, right? It's not only at the end of his three-year ministry, but it is at the end of the last week of his life before he's going to die on the cross. It's at the very end. And in the beginning of John chapter 14, he says, I'm going to go. I was with you for three years. You kind of got used to me. How many of you guys like change? Right? No, change is hard. He's like, change is about to happen. Change is coming. It's going to be hard, but I just want to encourage you. I want to help you believe. He goes, I'm going to go to where the Father is. If I go, I'm going to, where my Father is, there's many mansions. I'm going to go and prepare a place. And if I go and prepare a place, I will come back and I'll take you to be where I am. And then Thomas goes like, how do we get there? And then Jesus goes, um, well, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then Philip goes, well, 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 like, you're saying like we're going to know the way, but how are we going to know the way? And he kind of unpacks that and then he gets to this section. So he's talking to his disciples who are kind of worried about the things that Jesus is starting to say, like everything's about to change, but don't worry. How do we not worry? Let me just calm your hearts and give you some encouragement. So this is the context that Jesus is speaking to them. And not only that, what was it like when Jesus was with them? He says, a little while and I will no longer be with you in the same way that I've been with you for the last three years, but I'll still be with you. But it's going to be different. The dynamic is going to change. And, and if one of the things when you're doing Bible study method is you want to kind of put yourself in the character's place to try to understand. So if you try to put yourself in the, what are the disciples experiencing this in this last week of Jesus' life? And I would say they're probably reminiscing of the benefits that they had with Jesus, what Jesus means to them. He's starting to talk about the fact that he's going to leave. And when that happens, you start to remember like how important this person is to you. And I would say there's at least three things that are dynamics about having Jesus with you for three years that, that they would have understood. And the first one is this, because they had spent so much time with Jesus, their affections for Jesus had grown through the roof. They, they were falling more and more in love with Jesus. And not only in love with Jesus, they were being wowed by Jesus. They were in awe of Jesus. They, he, Jesus just became bigger and bigger and bigger to them to the point where their affections had just grown through the roof. Because spending time with Jesus and just imagine seeing and being there with all the things we read about and their affections had grown. And the second thing that they would have experienced as a benefit is this, that they are not the same people that they were when they started following Jesus. After three years, they're different men. They're already different men. We know, of course, when the Holy Spirit comes, they're going to be even more. uh, And that's what Jesus is telling them. He's promising, and we do see it happen. But they've, they've changed. Their worldview has changed. Everything looks different now. The world looks different now because of Jesus. Their attitude has changed, right? They have more humility now. Jesus has walked through that with them. Like, you think, you, you think you're going to be able to, like, Peter's about to find out even more. You think you love me and you're going you're gonna to die for me, Peter? You're about to deny me, right? They've been humbled but also lifted up. Their confidence has grown. Their humility has grown. Their character 
has grown. And the third thing is this. Because they've been hanging out with Jesus, they've been equipped and empowered to do things in ministry they never thought they were going to get the chance to do in their lives. And so you got to understand there's these guys, they're listening to Jesus and they're like, we just, we're just starting to fall radically in love with you. And, we're, and, and, and we've already changed so much, but we still have so much far more to change. And, and we... You've been talking about all these things we're going to do. We're going to do them. We're here. We want to do them. Let's do them. Don't leave. Let's do them. I would imagine that's kind of the mindset that these disciples have. And so what Jesus does is he says, look, when I leave, don't worry. I'm not going to abandon you uh, uh, like orphans. I'm going to be with you still. And not only that. I'm going to go to the Father. And then he tells you this like radical Rubik's Cube type piece. He's like, and I'm in the Father, and you're in me, and I'm in you, and, and the Holy Spirit's in you, and you're in the Holy Spirit. And he's not like, you got to figure this out. He's like, dude, we got you covered. Like, God has got you covered. You never need, like when people go, what is God doing in your life? You don't have to be like, well, the Father's doing this in my life, and Jesus is doing this in my life, and the Holy Spirit is doing this in my life. It doesn't matter. Just say, hey, this is what God is doing in my life. They work together in such a unity that they are one. We don't have to figure that out. That's kind of the picture. But he goes, but I want you to know that I'm going to go be with the Father, and I'm going to send the Spirit, and He's going to be with you, And he's going to be in you. And these same three dynamics are going to continue. Your affections for me and for God are going to grow. Because the Holy Spirit is going to point you to me continuously. Your character is going to continue to grow. You're going to, I'm, I'm, and in Philippians, Paul goes like, he's, he's not finished with you, and you can be confident of this, that he will be faithful to complete the work that he's began in you. When Jesus goes to be with the Father, the Holy Spirit will come, the work will continue, will continue to change. And you guys think you were in equipped and empowered while I was here physically? Just wait till Pentecost. He's like, you're going to be even more empowered. You guys don't even know, right? It's kind of the idea of the context of this passage that Jesus is saying the last moments of the last week of his life. So that's the context. And then we look at some grammar pieces. What are some of the words in there? And there's so many in this passage. I kind of wrote out, began writing out a bunch of them, and it got to like six pages. And I'm like, I can't. I can't handle that. So I'm just going to give you two, and then we'll kind of unpack a few. But, but, but I want to just point out, Jesus calls the disciple, I mean, I mean the Holy Spirit, by two names in this passage at least. And he calls them by the Spirit of Truth, the Spirit of Truth, and he calls them the Helper. And I would submit to you that those are important names, and they unpack some of the things that we're, we're looking at and what they were actually feeling. And so in your notes, now if you have OCD, it's about to get exciting. If you have OCD, you're about to get the opportunity to fill in your first blank, right? And so your first blank is this, that what the Holy Spirit does, one of the main things that the Holy Spirit does that Jesus says is he points us to the king. He points us to Jesus. So I got a little illustration maybe to help us out, get us warmed up. So basically, this is kind of how the Holy Spirit rolls, right? The Holy Spirit is going to come into your life, and you're going to be like, I don't know what to do. And he's going to be like, (laughs) right? He's going to point you to Jesus. And you're going to be like, well, um, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. And he's like, 
right? Olive, can you come up here and help me? All right. I'm going to need you to, to be an illustrator. Can you put your hand in there? Awesome. Okay. Let's stand right over here so everyone can see you, Olive. And so we'll just kind of demonstrate. You stand right in front of this podium. All right. So here's the deal. Hey, Olive, how, how, I'm, I'm going through a hard time. Could you point me to someone that might be able to help? Yeah. Boom, right? That's how it works. Guess what? You get to keep that. Your dad, don't let your dad take that. And so the Holy Spirit is pointing us to Jesus, and that's what we see in this passage, right? The Spirit is going to point us to the truth. And when He calls Jesus, I mean, when He calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of truth, He's, he's saying that he's the one that's going to remind us and point us to the truth. And at the end of the passage, he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to remind you and teach you about, about me. He's going to point you to me. So when we say uh, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth, we need to understand some grammar in the bigger scheme of John chapter 14. So when he says the Holy Spirit's going to be the spirit of truth, he's going to point you to truth He's not saying that the Holy Spirit is going to be a know-it-all in your life. He's not going to be like that, that guy who, who, who has a bunch of trivia. He's not just going to walk around like dropping truth bombs. Hey, Brittany, did you know that the human head weighs eight pounds? Boom, Holy Spirit, just spirit of truth. No, he's not going to do that. It's not his deal. He's not a trivia Jeopardy guy. But in John chapter 14, verses 6, just a few verses earlier, remember when Thomas said, how are we going to know the way? What did Jesus said? He said, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except me. And then just a few verses later, he's going to be, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and he's going to be the Spirit of truth. He's going to remind you about who, where truth is. He's going to point you to me, and it's going to, it's going to encourage you, give you the courage you need to keep going. He's going to point you to me. The Spirit of truth is the one that points to Jesus. So, the Spirit of truth is pointing people to Jesus. And just like the passage says, he's teaching us and reminding us all the things that Jesus had said. And so basically, the Holy Spirit in our lives, one of the things he does, and if you haven't experienced this, I would just pray and go, Holy Spirit, start doing this in my life. Because this is what he does. He points people to Jesus. And so you'll be reading through the Bible, and the Holy Spirit will just be giving you, did you see what Jesus did? Did you see who Jesus is? Remember Jesus turned water into wine? Like for the kids, grape juice, right? Remember when Jesus like, touched people that no one else would touch? Remember when Jesus called people that nobody would have called into ministry and then he used them in a radical way? He could do that in your life. He's always pointing people to Jesus. Did you see what Jesus did when he was, when he was ridiculed? Did you see how he handled it? He turned the other cheek. Did you see what Jesus did when he went through an anxiety attack in the Garden of Gethsemane? Anyone ever been through an anxiety attack? Don't raise your hand, right? You know it right there. You, you just had an anxiety attack. I'm sorry. But he's like, you know what to do when you, when, 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 when you have an anxiety attack? He's not going to necessarily take it away. He had an anxiety attack all night long, but he clung to God in prayer. Do you see what Jesus did, how Jesus handles real life, right? He's always pointing people to Jesus. And Why? Why? So that our affection for Jesus will continue to grow. Because that's the greatest commandment, to love God 
Our love for God through Jesus will continue to grow because the Holy Spirit will continue to point us to Him. Our affections will continue to grow. And then what will happen if our affections continue to grow towards to, to, to love for God and for Jesus, then we'll start to obey Him. We'll start to say, I want to I hear Him. I want to know what Jesus is saying right now in these circumstances. And we'll want to hear His voice and we'll want to obey And so the Holy Spirit is like making us fall more and more in love with Jesus. And then we want to hear his voice. And then guess what? He's helping us hear his voice. And then we want to obey. And then he's helping us obey. He's the spirit of truth. He's pointing people to Jesus. And that's why in this passage, Jesus is like, look, here's how the dynamic kind of works. If you'll know that the Holy Spirit's at work in your life, because you'll start to want to, you'll start to end up in obedience. Right? He's not saying if you obey me, that that's going to prove that you love. But he's like, no, if you love me, that's going to end up causing you to go to this point where you want to obey me. And so the Holy Spirit is giving us a desire to follow Jesus and the means to follow Jesus. And then he says in, in, in another part in the grammar that he's your, our helper. He's our helper, right? How many of you guys have a little helper here, Right? You're the little helper. Awesome, right? So, so he says, I'm going to send you the, the Holy Spirit. It's going to be the helper. Now, the Greek word is parakalitos, right? And if I'm saying that wrong, then let's go out after uh, and have some tacos, right? <laughs> sometimes it's translated as counselor. Sometimes it's translated as comforter. Sometimes it's translated as helper. But it literally means, the Greek word means, one who is called alongside us. I'm going to send you one who is called alongside us. I love that picture. Like if you were going on a road trip and you don't like driving by yourself, maybe some of you like to drive by yourself, it's fine. Maybe you're not one that likes to drive by yourself and then you have a friend that comes and goes, I'll go with you. Woo, road trip, right? One who comes alongside you. Or you ever gone through a time in your life where you just needed help? Right? You needed help. And it's one who comes alongside you. And, and have you ever been through a time where you're just devastated and you don't know if you're going to make it and you just can't be alone? And it's one who comes alongside you. That's this word. In all-encompassing, one who comes alongside you is coming. And not only that, it's going to manifest itself in at least two ways. And he's going to make us more like Jesus. And he's going to empower us to do all that Jesus has called us to do. The same three things. That's why Jesus is like, look, I've been with you. You've been experiencing these these things. But when I go, the Holy Spirit's going to come. You're going to even experience these things even more through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so number two in your notes is this, that he's going to mold us into kingdom people. He's going to mold us into kingdom people. Now, years later, when Paul is experiencing this and he's explaining the work that the Holy Spirit is actually doing once the Holy Spirit comes, just like Jesus promised at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes on the church. All these things are happening. They're falling more in love with Jesus. Read through Acts. They're like, they have, their awe is growing of him. All of these things. They're, they're radically changing. Peter, who was denying Jesus, is now standing up in front of thousands of people and proclaiming Jesus. He's changed. And God's empowering them so many ways to do so many things that they never thought they'd be able to do. That's the promise. That he molds us into kingdom people. And later, Paul, trying to un- unpack this, he goes in 2 Corinthians three seventeen through 18 he goes, 
Now the Lord is the Spirit, right? The Spirit is, is God. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. Whenever you, this image is Jesus is the image. We're being transformed more like Jesus from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now where the Spirit of the Lord There's freedom. How many of you guys have ever heard that? Right? So here's what this is not saying. This is not saying, like, where the Spirit of the Lord is, everyone can just do whatever they want. It's not saying, like, like now you have licensed, there's freedom and license to do whatever you want. That's called temptation. Right? That's not what the Holy Spirit is doing. He's not giving you freedom to do whatever you want. He's giving you freedom to do what God wants and more Explicitly, he's, he's freeing you so that you can be molded. He's freeing you so that you can be molded. When the Holy Spirit comes on our lives, there's going to be freedom. He takes people who have stubborn hearts and, and, and thick-headed minds, and he comes and he, and, he, and, he, and he softens all of that. He points us to Jesus, and he helps us to see the goodness of God, and he helps us to see all that Jesus has done and even our need for that and he helps us with understand the gospel and he's applying the gospel as we as we move towards salvation right and the holy spirit is doing that and at the end we're now moldable so i got a little bit of a a object lesson that i want to kind of unpack with you guys and so is there any artists in here ben's an artist bill's an artist Kaylee, are you an artist? Kaylee's an artist. You're an artist? Do you want to do this object lesson? You want to? Be, oh my goodness. This is going to be the greatest Sunday in the world because Olive's going to... Come on up here, Olive. Don't bring your finger. Now, as an artist, I just want you to stand right up here. Right up here in your Olive spot. This is what you're going to do. As an artist, you need... Someone will give you something. They'll give you like pen and some crayons and they say, do some art. I'm not going to give you paper and crayons. I'm going to give you something. Are you good at molding stuff? We'll see. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take this rock. I want you to work on it with your hands. And I want you to make it into something cool. Ready? Go. You got this all of What's the problem? It's hard, huh? No, I'm silly, right? You can't make a rock into something. It's not moldable. But check this out. Here's what you do. This is called super duper activator juice, and we're going to spray it on there. Pretty good. We're going to kind of just, oh, let's see what's working. Oh, oh, oh. What happened? Does that work? If I said mold that into something cool, would you? Here's what I want you to do, Olive. You can go sit in your seat. I want you to work on it through the rest of the sermon. Just make it into whatever you want. And then at the end, I'm going to have you come up and you show everybody what you made. Sound good? Okay. Round of applause for Olive. Yeah. So obviously, I don't have miracle spray, right? I, uh, I had a pan and a rock and I pulled out some Play-Doh. We all know that. But here's the thing. What we're saying is, that the Holy Spirit in our lives, we were like that rock, unmoldable. And He frees us, the Holy Spirit frees us, so that we can 
be pointed to Jesus and we can become more and more like Jesus. We're like clay in his hands. He's now molding us. He makes us moldable and he molds us. The Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out. It's one of the beautiful things that Jesus did with his disciples while he was with them and said, this is going to continue, but it's going to go in a little different way. The Holy Spirit's going to come, point you to me. And it says, you won't always be able to figure it out. Matter of fact, he goes, and if you love me, we will come and make our home with you, right? There's a we, not of the Holy Spirit. All three of us are going to be involved in this process, but don't worry. The Holy Spirit's going to be a big deal in your life. We got you covered. And the third thing, that the Holy Spirit's going to continue to do that Jesus did is He's going to equip us for kingdom work. The Holy Spirit is going to equip us for kingdom work. So going back to our grammar and our context, um, let's look at John uh, 14, 12. And John 14, 12 is the same chapter that we're reading. We began in verse 15. So it's just, it's, it's connected. These ideas are connected. And Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And remember, because he's going to the Father, what's going to happen? And then I'm going to send you the Spirit. So just a few verses later, verse 15 and 16, he goes, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. D.A. Carson's one of my favorite commentators, and he says about this passage, he connects these two ideas like this. He says, uh, the prospect of doing greater things anticipates the need for enabling power. And he will give you another helper forever. He says, the manifestation of God himself by his spirit will help you do all that he was talking about. God did, like, in other words, remember that these disciples are like, you, you, we've been talking about all these things that we're going to do. We're here. We're ready. He's like, well, I'm going to go, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and actually you're going to do greater things, right? I mean, even with Jesus there, it was 12, and Jesus, and the mission got so far, but he's like, watch how this is going to take off when the Holy Spirit comes, and this thing spreads to the whole church, right? And now there's all of these people at work, uh, there's discrepancy about what greater things is. I think, in, at least in this passage, and I think the bigger idea is not that any one individual is going to do greater things than Jesus. But what he's saying is that the church globally, for the next couple thousand years, and who, who knows how much longer, is going to have a greater impact even than I had in these last three years. And that has happened, amen? We've been able to do greater Things spread to uh, more nations, right? Do have more of an impact. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, whom God promised, has been with us. And then Paul again talking in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 4 through 7, says, Now, about these gifts that the Holy Spirit's going to give us, these abilities, this empowerment, he says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. 
So like I said, we're not going to get into a big spiritual gifts teaching. I think we, maybe we will one day. That's part of the scriptures. It's just not our aim today. But the Holy Spirit is going to empower who? Every believer. Every believer is going to be empowered with gifts. And the gifts aren't going to be the same, are they? Not everyone's going to have the same gift. But they're going to have the same spirit. And everybody's going to have a gift... But it's going to be used for the common good. Those are the key ingredients of God is going to empower us. He's going to give us each unique and different gifts. And we have to work together to do the common goal, the common good, to to do the kingdom's work, right? So we're all going to do that. So sometimes we get stuck in this like, I want to know what my gift is. That's okay. We should want to know what the gift is. But a better question is, I want to know how I could be used For the bigger work, right? Rather than figuring out what your gift is, why don't we figure out what the bigger plan of what God's doing and how you might fit into that, right? Or I want to know, you know, who I am in Christ and I want to be able to say like, you know, I, I I have this or I have that. Why don't, it's not about us is what it's saying, right? It's not about you. It's about the bigger picture and God's going to equip each of us and he's going to have us work together for the common Good. And so I have one more kind of picture. I'm going to have uh, a Dale and then actually both of your boys come on up here. So I'm going to give you guys some gifts. You're going to have to give these back. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> I don't want any hurt feelings. Is that cool? All right. So I'm going to give you this one, Dale. This, it's a lightsaber. I'm not going to, I don't want to ruin it. It's a lightsaber. But you're going to open that up. The Holy Spirit, by way of Pastor Kenny, what do you give him? A flashlight. flashlight. What's a flashlight used for? To make so you could see in the dark. Would that be good if it was dark in here and someone had a flashlight? Go ahead and use that. Serve the church, Dale. (laughs) Woo! What? Oh, that's right. You guys have a gift too together. You're going to get that gift. See what it is. The anticipation is building. What do you think it is? Some nails. nails. Good guess. Super good guess. What is it? Some batteries. Oh my goodness. You have batteries and you have a flashlight and it's dark. What could we do? We could use the batteries. So you guys can work together. Can Can you help out your dad? All right. Not gonna work. Is your name Thomas? He was called Doubting Thomas. That was a joke. I'm just teasing. Unless you, unless he touches the flashlight and the light turns on, you will not believe. Also, we're gonna need someone with the gift of instructions. Is that you? Paracletos, please come. 
Is your anticipated? No, you still think it's not going to work? No. Try the button. Yes. Yeah, you guys can sit down. Thank you. And it's just, you know, a silly little lesson, but this is the way that the, the Bible, I think, speaks about the Holy Spirit is he gives us different gifts, not so that we can show off our gifts, but so that we can work together. And he doesn't give just one person a superhero gift. He gives all these people a gift, and, they, and you need each other. They connect together in so many ways. When we were listening about laundry of love, what do we hear? Like some people cook, some people are good with spreadsheets, right? Some people are good with announcements and enthusiasm. Some people are good at raising money. Some people are good at just making everyone feel welcome when they show up. Everyone works together. They're using their gifts, and it's for the common good, and it points people to Jesus, right? So the Holy Spirit is now pointing people to Jesus through you when you use your gift. Also, when he's changing Changing your character, people see your good deeds and they point to who? So he's pointing to Jesus all the time through the change to, in our lives, through our lives, in the work that we're doing in the world. He's pointing people to Jesus because it's all about Jesus and the Holy Spirit is a beautiful piece, often overlooked or, or misunderstood. I mean, we could talk about the sign gifts and all of those things, and maybe we would agree on them, and maybe we wouldn't. But here's some things that we can all agree on. And we'll have the, whole, the, the worship team come back up. That the Holy Spirit is still actively working to help us see how beautiful Jesus is. Amen? Amen. And the Holy Spirit is not done with any of us, right? We are in process, and the process was not without purpose, and the process is not without power. And the Holy Spirit is that power changing our lives. And God still has work for us to do. And he's left us with the Holy Spirit to do that. And it's a beautiful thing. And then as we prepare for worship, I want to just end the service the same way Jesus ends this passage. So remember the dynamic is, I think that the disciples are probably starting to get a little bit anxious. You ever been with somebody and they start to get a little bit nervous? Right? Like you're with your leader. If you were like traveling through the Amazon and your leader's like cruising around all like confident, and you're like, oh, cool, I'm glad I'm with him, right? And then all of a sudden, like he starts shaking. Well, how would you feel? Your confidence go down, right? So they're with Jesus. It's the last week of his life. They're starting to feel the tensions. And he's like, look, guys, let's have a talk. Yes, I'm about to go. Yes, things are about to change. But I will not leave you as orphans. When I go, I will leave you the Holy Spirit. He's going to keep pointing you to me. He's going to keep changing you. He's going to keep empowering you even more. And then he says, and I want to leave you with this. He says, shalom or peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. How does the world try to give us peace? Right? glass of wine or Netflix or a big bank account or, or everything's just working out in your life or you have a, a game plan or whatever it is that you think is going to give you peace, but you know it could get taken away. He's like, no, my peace is not like that. I give you a deeper peace. And then he says, you heard me say to you that I'm going away, but I will come to you. And if you love me, you would have rejoiced Because I'm going to the Father. For the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. 
Thank you for listening to Remembrance Community Church Podcast. You can find all our weekly sermons online at remembrancecommunity.org forward slash sermons. Thank you for listening.